before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring my friend and very special guest, Michael Oliver of Momentum Structural Analysis. Michael's work is unique. It's the only stuff that I see that really focuses on momentum. And when you do that and you look at the world through the momentum lens as opposed to the price lens, you see a very, very different picture emerging, which is kind of challenging and a bit unsettling when you first see it. But once you start to understand it and realize the importance of following momentum as opposed to price, you realize that a lot of the things that we see in terms of charts that dictate the way we view certain asset classes, if not the overall markets, are perhaps not exactly the picture we should be looking at. So the work that Michael does with MSA is, I find, extraordinarily important. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The End Game, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, Shifts Happen, and Chaos Theory, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the Silver Tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go, Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. Michael, my friend, welcome back to the podcast. It's always a joy to get a chance to see you and to talk to you. It's always great to be with you, Grant. We've been through this procession of crazy years in markets, each one for a different reason. You know, we had the pandemic year of 2020, we had the craziness of 21, we had a wild year in 22, and this year has been just nuts. You know, I saw a chart today showing that given everything that's happened this year, the yield on the 10 years back to where it was at the beginning of the year, which just shows you all the kind of sturm and drang that we've gone through really amounts to nothing. So I'm really happy to get a chance to talk to you primarily about this year, but also I'm looking forward to digging into some thoughts that you have for next year because you wrote a piece recently which scared the bejesus out of me, frankly, and I'm not easily scared with such things these days. So let's, if we can, start with a kind of retrospective, Michael, and give us a sense of what you think has happened this past year, the important things that have happened and, and how they perhaps set us up for what's to come in 2024. It's a good question because... Uh... So many people, when they think about what's going to happen, they look at data points down the road as they unfold. Like today, we just had a couple of data points come up. Big deal. Okay. But what's happened in the past often will determine what happens in the future or shape it largely. And we've had a dozen-year stock market bubble in the U.S. market from 2009 to 2021. Now, most markets aren't even back near their peak trades that occurred in, usually in late 2021. Now, the S&P and NASDAQ are. But think about that 12 years. There's never before in the history of the U.S. stock market been one of such age, two of such multiples. We took the S&P from 2009 low to 2021 high sevenfold. NASDAQ 100 went up 16-fold. You go back and look at the 29 high, the highs in the early 70s, or the um, 2000.com high, or the 2007 real estate high and measure those highs in relation to the bear market low that preceded them. You don't come up with anything comparable to a sevenfold 
much less a 16-fold move. Well, you could say, well, you know, that's because the U.S. economy is real strong and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, right. Okay, look at an M2 chart and see the amount of printing they did over that decade compared to other decades of massive destruction of the money unit. And then look at the interest rates were effectively at zero, theoretical zero for most of those dozen years. People make mistakes when that happens. It's like getting a drug stuck in your arm and, you know, you get hallucinogenic and you believe things that aren't real. And then you make decisions and suddenly you find out later, gee, that wasn't based on reality because one of the biggest blocks of our reality in terms of financial planning of a family or a company or anything is the price of money. Well, if they tell you it's free and that's true for a decade or so, then you start to believe it. Okay. And you make mistakes. These aren't data points. These are family by family, corporation by corporation, and they're inlaid into your future because as the planks start to snap, because they were based on false assumptions, all kinds of things happen. And it has nothing to do with what's coming tomorrow. It's what already happened. That's where we are, I think. And I just think that the stock market, which is the prime beneficiary this time around of that monetary inflation, sometimes it's uh, other things like commodities, like the late 1970s, for example, whose commodities and gold benefited. Stocks didn't. They were wasteland. This time around, investors plowed all that free money into the stock market, and they got delusional. You could be a, quote, experienced money manager right now, being having been around, oh, 10, 12 years, let's say, and still be living under those delusions that, you know, all that matters is the Fed. Well, anyway, so that's the problem we have now is the unwinding of these errors in ways that aren't measured by government statistics. Snap, snap, snap. And suddenly big snaps, you know, some bank, uh, major corporations, et cetera. That's what's happening. It's starting to happen. It's going to happen a lot more next year. And uh, that, I think, is what explains our analysis of the market, which is not based on looking at a simple price chart. It's based on the long-term trend momentum of the market measured against long-term moving averages so that we don't look at a price chart and a moving average. We look at the price in relation to above or below that average, and we oscillate it. And when you do that, you come up with a visual picture of reality that isn't necessarily and often is different from the price chart reality. And 90% of the time, momentum is going to be right and price is going to be wrong if they deviate. So that's where I think we are. Lovely year 2024. Going to be great. When I first came across your work, I guess eight odd years ago now, I was just blown away by how intuitive it was to me, particularly in an age where momentum has been everything, to look at prices the way you guys do. And you, you gave us a brief primer there, but I'm going to ask you, even though we've done this before on the podcast, there'll be people that perhaps haven't heard that But I'm going to ask you, if you can, to give people a brief primer, because as you say, what you come up with are charts that look completely different to the shape of the price charts. And I think that confuses a lot of people. But we have been in this period where momentum has been everything, you know, the buy the dip period where where everything has been about momentum. And so the work that you guys have done at MSA, to me, has been extraordinarily important in terms of understanding what's really going on away from the price. So if you can, before we dig into 2024, just give people a bit of a sense once again of just how you build those charts, how you measure momentum and what those charts are actually telling people. The term momentum that's popularly used 
is, oh, it's going up and you know, therefore it has, quote, momentum. OK, well, quite often that's not the case. In other words, the price chart might look like it has, quote, momentum. But if you measure it versus some long term mean, long term averages, for example, we tend to emphasize longer term and intermediate term. A lot of people like to look at day to day. OK, that's fine. But, you know, that's micro reality. For instance, we measure the S&P or the NASDAQ or any major index, Shanghai composite. We measure them versus certain long-term moving averages, like a 36-month or a three-year average. 36-month, you know, it changes every month, but it covers the last three years. And that's the average price of the last three years. The gear shifts a little bit each month. Or three-year average, where at the end of each year, you get a new three-year average. And you, okay, you take that average, and then you simply plot, let's say, the monthly high, low, and close of price in its relationship to that average. So you're either above it or you're below it, right? And when you plot it, you get an oscillator. It doesn't look like the price chart. So for example, over the last dozen years or so, the US stock market in general has held above its 36 month average. You have a sell-off here and then a couple of years later, another sell-off and another sell-off. And the price lows aren't the same. They're generally rising and you can't even plot a trend line between them hardly because there's might be curved. But when you look at momentum, there's this floor. You just keep coming down to it. You keep coming down to it. Well, in most cases, what happened in 2022 broke that floor. So you broke the backbone of your, your structure, your momentum structure. And oh, although price didn't take out some prior major low, momentum blew out umpteen prior momentum lows, oscillator lows. So structurally speaking, when you look at price, you say, well, just another dip. And you look at momentum and say, golly, you just blew the floor out of this thing. Now, the problem was in 2022 that it took a, a, a lot of distance on the momentum chart to drop from the highs of the year down to breaking levels on the way down. There, there wasn't just one level you broke on momentum, but two or three. And finally, blowing out like the NASDAQ 100 blew out all the low closes going back to 2010. In fact, even the 2020 March low, remember that crash, the COVID crash, even that monthly close on the NASDAQ 100, which is our, quote, leader index, it was up 16-fold in the last 12 years. Its low monthly close in March, it scooted back up after that sell-off in March and closed just above the three-year average and the 36-month average. Like, oops, oops, oh, I'm okay. So if you just look at the monthly closes and you ignore all the noise in between, you have this floor on the NASDAQ. It goes back a dozen years. I had the floor. And then in early 2022, we put out a, a sell signal. We said, okay, that's it. You're making your top. Now, what happened after that was a pretty serious drop. It was in layers in the summer, and then we rallied, and we came down in October, made a low. But in that process, NASDAQ blew out all those low oscillator readings of the prior dozen years. Price didn't, but momentum said, ah, I'm broken. Now, just because you're broken doesn't mean you can't have a good rally. You know, no market goes from Z to A or A to Z in one shot. And we warned that the first leg of the bear market would likely be what we called arm wrestling. Boy, has it been. You go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. You know, people are confused. It's, it's arm wrestling. It's sort of balanced. And because of the distortion in the S&P and the NASDAQ 100, by distortion, I mean, you take the first five stocks in those indices and they explain the entire movement of the index. The rest of the stocks aren't even, you know, near their 2022 highs. But, you know, Apple and Amazon or Apple and Microsoft and, and so forth are. And they have such heavy weighting that the index, quote unquote, is up trading around its highs. But momentum isn't. We ran a recent chart on NASDAQ 100 annual momentum. And when you looked at the momentum chart going back, you know, to 2009 low, this whole rally this year looks pathetic 
on the momentum chart. On price, it looked, you made a new high, okay. Anyway, so that's what we look at. We also, we could take that down time scale wise. Let's say we're not concerned about the major trend. Maybe we're concerned about what's gonna happen the next oh, three, four months. And so we focus in on lesser yardsticks, like oh, instead of a three year average, maybe a three month average. And we plot the momentum accordingly and it gives us a view of what's likely to The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.